words spoken with some type of authority. Um, Proverbs 26.2, which I've kind of focused on, a curse never comes without a cause. So we've got to recognize, number one, what is the cause? We've got to go to the root. What is the cause of, what's, of what we're struggling with? We've looked at four different types of curses. Curses by God himself, pronounced by God himself. Curses that uh, are pronounced by a man on behalf of God. Self-imposed curses where people pronounce curses on themselves. How can you do that? Can I give you a very easy way that we do this all the time? I wish I were dead. It's amazing. I would guess that almost everyone in this place has said that at some point. Maybe not. Maybe you haven't. I have. I've been at, I've been at that point before. But have you ever said something over, the, over yourself like, man, I'm so stupid? I don't mean just joking. I mean you mean it. There, if you don't know anything else about God, you need to know this. Well, you need to know a lot about God. I don't want to leave it down to one statement. But God responds to what is being said. When, when, when God created the heavens and the earth, he did it by spoken word. Did you know that we create, that, that, that creation was made by the spoken word? That's why what you say, whether it's positive or negative, has power. God's kingdom has been set up so that our words have power. So it's extremely important that we watch what we say. Self-imposed curses, and then finally, curses that come from satanic influences. Last week, we started looking at Deuteronomy 28, and I would encourage you, read Deuteronomy 28. The first part's very uplifting. The second two-thirds is very, very not uplifting. Don't just read the first 14 verses. Read it all. Don't just read the part of the Bible that you like. Read it all. It is all there for you to protect you, to lead you, and to guide you. So, if we want to be blessed, if we want to be blessed... Catch this out of this teaching. Receive the lesson that if you will listen to the voice of the Lord and do what he says, you are guaranteed a blessing. And I want to say that if that's the life you live, hearing the voice of the Lord and obeying it, that that won't just bless you. It will bless your children and your children's children and your children's children's children. It goes on from generation to generation. but just the opposite. Curses come for those that do not listen to the voice of the Lord, those that do not obey the voice of the Lord. I ended last week with a list of things that can indicate an outworking of a curse. I said that it could indicate it's not absolute, but these are signs that may show you, you know what, what I'm dealing with may not be some little thing. It may be a generational thing. This like I have said over and over, your, your granddad died at 55 years old from, from a heart condition, and your dad died at 55 years old from a heart condition. You know, something, is not, something doesn't sound right. Mental, mental or emotional breakdown, repeated or chronic sickness, repeated miscarriages or related female problems, breakdown of marriage and general family alienation, 
continuing financial insufficiency, especially when it looks like you should have enough money, and finally being accident-prone. So, let's dive into the cure. The basic provision of God for the release of all curses is the atonement of Jesus Christ on the cross. That is the answer. That is the answer. His atoning substitutionary debt. What does that mean? That means that the Lamb of God was given in place of where we should have had to lay. That God laid His Son, the Lamb of God, who took away the sin of the world. Every good and positive provision of God comes only on that basis of what Jesus did on the cross. There is no other basis. Derek Prince put it this way, which I love. He said, there is only one source of good, God. One channel, Jesus. There's only one basis, that's the cross. Only one way to appropriate it, which is faith. That is the gospel in simple language. Amen. Uh, Derek Prince is a, um, a teacher, um, kind, of, um, kind of helped lead the charismatic movement back in the 70s, and uh, one, of my, one of my favorite teachers. But let's look. Galatians chapter 3, verse 13 and 14. You got your Bibles with you? I'm not going to have us do a ton of Scripture tonight. I've done that in the past, but tonight's not going to be too many. But I would encourage you to, uh, if you've got your Bibles, turn with me. This is the New American Standard Version. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Verse 14. In order that Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham, might come to the Gentiles, so that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Now, what I'm here to do tonight... Is, is to show you that there is more to our life than just walking an aisle and receiving salvation. That is the start. That is the start of your walk. That is not the end. How many of you know you've had struggles since you walked that aisle and gave your heart to Jesus? How many of you know you've had struggles with sin? You've had struggles with Satan. You've had struggles with the world. You've had struggles with your spouse. Don't, don't, don't make a comment to that one. You've had struggles. Wouldn't it be nice if we walked the aisle and all of a sudden just the waters parted and we just lived happily ever after? Elizabeth is going back to school for teaching and my children were doing what was called fairy tale books. And what defines a fairy tale book is it starts with once upon a time and it ends with and lived happily ever after. Don't you wish once upon a time you walked an aisle, gave your heart to Christ, and no, nothing else bad ever happened? No, nope. that, that goes completely against the Word of God. Stuff still comes at us, which means we still have to arm ourselves with the whole armor of God. So many times we want to think, I've got it at salvation. Everything should just work out for me. No, that's wrong. Yes, you did get it all at salvation, but now you got to go get it. 
It's been given to you, now we've got to go get it. Right? It has been provided, now we've got to go get it. I'm going to show that to you if I can stop getting on my tangents and keep going. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. The curse of the law is what's stated in Deuteronomy 28. If you will not hearken, all these curses will come upon you for the breaking the law. If we don't obey the word, if we don't hear the voice of the Lord and walk through it, then these curses are going to come on us. Those curses just about covers every nasty thing that could ever happen to us. Go read them. They are depressing. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. How? By becoming the curse for us. He took our place. Jesus is the sinner's substitute. On the cross, he exhausted the, every evil. Everything evil that was ever due to come upon any of the descendants of Adam came upon him on the cross. So that anyone that would repent and believe might receive all the good that was due to him. For his perfect obedience to the Father. Can you see, and, and I'm going to kind of lean on Derek Prince a little bit tonight. He talks about the great exchange. What Jesus deserved somehow by kingdom principles, by God's kingdom, was able to exchange what he deserved and give to us. Everything that he deserved, he was able to somehow get to us. Without us having to offer anything. There was an exchange. And it's far more reaching than just taking the curse for us. This is the heart of the gospel message. It centers around the cross. And that's where the exchange took place. And we're only looking at one part of this exchange. Which is the curse and the blessing. But there were so many others that was exchanged at that time. That we might be made righteous by his righteousness. That he was wounded that we might be healed. That he was rejected that we might be accepted. And any way you look at it, he took the evil that we might receive so that we might receive the good. That... Now, now, hear me, that is the legal basis for everything. That is the legal basis. God is a legalist in the sense that he will never do anything that's illegal to his kingdom. I'm not talking about the world. God has a kingdom and he will never break kingdom law. So what's important to know is what is kingdom law? How many of you know that when you're dealing with, with our laws in this land, you better know what they are? Because it's very easy to do something stupid and break it, even if you don't have a bad heart. How many of you know it's easy to break the law and really not be a bad person? One of the schools I, I, I go to have all these restrictions on where you park and where you can walk your kids in. And, you know, I had no idea. I got chewed out. Walking one of the kids in. Like, what difference does it make which way, where I walk my child in? Don't you want me to walk my child in? Well, yeah, but we want you to walk it over here. Well, okay. I don't understand it, but it's not really important that I understand it. I've, I've come to find out. 
In fact, it'd be better if I didn't understand it. Then I wouldn't upset the teachers at me. And I've done that before. Don't get the teachers mad at you. Or the principal. Amen. So it's important that we know what, what is the law. Now, I'm not talking about the law from the Old Testament. What is God's kingdom law? How does God work? But there's another legal expert in this whole thing. Do you know who that is? It's Satan. Unless his legal claims are dealt with, you'll never get him off your back. Are you following me? If you try to get Satan off of you your way, it will not work. If you get him off of you God's way, it will work. So, we got to know what's God's way. you got to know the legal answer to the devil. You can sit out here and run up and down and hoop and holler and wail and whatever. Have fires and hold candles. And, but if you don't do it God's way, you're just wasting your time. What's God's way? There's a legal answer. It's no good trying to evict him unless you have a legal case that he can't answer. Jesus was made the curse according to the law of Moses because it says in Deuteronomy 21-23 that everyone that hangs on a tree dead is a curse. God therefore instructed the children of Israel, don't leave a person hanging on a tree after sunset. Well, I want you to know that when Jesus died on the cross, he was hanging on a tree. The tree, which is the cross, where in Hebrew, one word, uh, the one word means a tree that's growing, and another word that means a tree that's been cut down. That's what the cross was. That's what God's demonstration to the entire Jewish people was that Jesus had become a curse. By hanging Jesus on a cross, on uh, crucifying him to the Jewish world, they could see Jesus hanging on a tree. Which to them translated, that's a curse. Can you, can you see that? Okay. I'm getting kind of teachy on you. I don't want to do that. He hung on the tree. He had become a curse. He was rejected from earth. And he was not received in heaven. As he hung there, he cried out to God and no response. Do you remember when he cried out to God, why have you forsaken me? And the world had rejected him. It was the world that crucified him. What happened? Jesus completely identified with sin. He didn't sin. But as he hung there, he hung there with the entire sin of the world. Man, it's such, a, it's, such a, it's such a big deal. He hung between heaven and earth, accepted, neither, accepted by neither, totally rejected. The sin offering, the curse on him, became the entire blight of all the rebellion and the evil of our total race. Isaiah chapter 53, verse 6. I want you to catch this, this uh, where it supports this. All of us are like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us have turned his own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. I believe that's a prophetic preview of Calvary in Jesus. There's a basis or a prop, there's a basic problem of the human race. It is where we turn to our own way. We have gone our own way. It may even be a religious way. 
but it's our own way. Not God's. We do our own thing. The biblical name for that, amongst other names, is iniquity. But I like the word rebelliousness because I think it's a little bit easier to understand. He took our rebellion and all its evil consequences. Man, is he, is he a good God or what? Even though we've accepted the atonement of Jesus, it still takes hearing and obeying the voice of the Lord to qualify for every area of deliverance and blessing. Entering by the cross is the gateway. But whatever area you need to possess in your inheritance, the key is hearing and obeying the voice of the Lord. I'm going to back it up. Deuteronomy 28, verse 1. Hopefully you know this one. Now it shall be that if you will diligently obey the Lord your God, being careful to do all His commands which I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you, if you will obey the Lord your God. I've said this before, you don't have to run after the blessing. Let the blessings run after you. Run after the blesser. Don't run after the blessing, run after the blesser. That's Matthew 6.33. You know, if we can grab hold of the gospel, we will line ourselves up. We will, uh, the blessings will line themselves up after us. We don't have to line ourselves up with the blessings. The blessings will line themselves up. What's Matthew 6.33? Seek ye first the kingdom of God. What's he saying? Don't seek after the blessing. The blessing and seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. What's that saying? If you will obey the voice of the Lord, all these blessings will find you and overtake you. Can you all see that the two, those two words work right together? Seeking after God. Uh, Exodus 15.26 And he said, if you will give Earnest heed to the voice of the Lord, your God, and do what is right in his sight, and give ear to his commandments, and, and keep all his statutes. I will put none of these diseases on you which I have put on the Egyptians, for I, the Lord, am your healer. That, that's where that word Jehovah, uh, uh, everybody says I say it wrong, but I'm going to say it this way, Rofi. He's ready to yell at me and tell me I'm saying it wrong. Well, how do you say it? Rafa. Either way, healer. And if you go to the Hebrew, you know what it says? Doctor. I am the Lord, your doctor. What does a doctor do? A doctor gets you well. I am the Lord, your healer. How many of you would like to have God as your doctor? If you will listen to God's voice. You know the most personal thing about a person is their voice. How many of you, how many of you know when your mom's talking you can just hear? I know when my mom coughs. I know her cough. I know my dad's cough. I know my dad's sounds. You know, I know my wife. I know my wife's laugh. And I could pick her out of 100,000 people. I could pick her out. She's got a very unique laugh, which I love, but it's very unique. We are to hear the voice of the Lord and obey it. I've been praying with a few of my deacons this week that we would hear God's voice. It is my heart's desire to hear God's voice. You know, part of, part of me getting blessed is me hearing. 
That's just part of it. The other part's obeying. Can I tell you, both are hard. Why? Because we'd rather listen to ourselves. My voice in my head a lot of times is more loud than anything else. And I've got to quiet that voice to be able to hear God's voice. How many of you have read your Bible but you talk to yourself through the whole time you were reading it? Have you ever done that? You're reading your Bible but you're thinking about what you want to be doing? Am I the only one? You know, Scripture says take your thoughts captive. You know what I've got to do? In Jesus' name, stop thinking. I want, to, I want to drink in what I'm reading. My mind starts racing. Joe McGee says, get out a pen and paper. Your brain starts working when you start reading the Bible. It's not bad that you just start thinking. Write it down and get it off your mind. Then get back to the Word. Unless it's nasty thinking, then you just need to rebuke it and get rid of it and get back in the Word. But we're in the Word so that we can hear. We're trying to hear so that we can obey. We do those two things. Blessings start lining up. Come, come and find me. I'm doing your word. That sounds childish. It's not childish. It's kingdom. I'm the Lord's your doctor. We've talked about Jesus. We've talked about Jesus being the legal basis for us escaping from the curse. And it's the cross. The legal basis from escaping the curse is the cross. It's what Jesus did on our behalf. That has totally satisfied every legal requirement. If you can meet the devil on the basis of the cross, he is defeated. If you try to meet him on any other basis, you can throw Baptist at him, you can throw Methodist at him, you can throw Pentecostal at him, you can throw Catholic at him. You can throw anything at him that you want. It's not going to work. You've got to throw Jesus at him. Jesus, the cross. You can even tell him you're a preacher and he'll laugh in your face. Can I tell you? I have got to do things God's way or it will not work. The only thing that he fears and respects is the cross. The basis is meeting the legal requirement. It's the only thing to have, it's one thing to have the legal rights. It's another thing to experience it. And I'm going to close with this. Someone could literally will you a fortune. Legally, it's yours. But you know what? When somebody dies and wills you a fortune, you know it takes forever to get it? It takes forever. You've got to go through all these legal requirements before it can get into the bank. And you know, it always happens. Somebody contests it. You think Satan's trying to contest what Jesus has done for you? All the time. And you know the bad thing is? We think, well, you know what, that's right. I'm not good enough. I don't really deserve this, so I might as well live in this pig, pig sty the rest of my life. Well, we've just bought into a lie. Satan's just gotten us. Jesus is saying, wait a minute, I paid that price. That's been paid. Would somebody stand up and say, I paid it? I paid it. Whenever Satan comes at you, you need to stand up and say, that's already been paid for. My daddy paid for that. He paid for it with his son Jesus, whom I accepted in my heart. And the blood was spilt for me and was poured out for me. And the backs, his back was, was whipped and, and, and his stripes are for my healing. This stuff I've got coming at me, I had somebody come today and say, doctor said there's no hope. Well, that's okay. Good. 
In Jesus' name, you are the Lord, our doctor. You paid that price. We have a legal right to claim this. It's not just that we can claim it. It's ours. We come and we, we ask for that right now, Jesus. Not going to buy into some lie. It's one thing to have it willed. It's another thing to have the money to spend. There's a very crooked lawyer that's trying to cheat you out of everything that's legally yours. But there's another one in heaven and his name is Jesus Christ. It says that he's your advocate. He is the one in your corner. You know what he says? He doesn't say innocent. He doesn't say guilty. He says they're they're mine. We plead the blood. The blood that was shed for that right there. For that, that, that man, that woman right there. I paid for that. And God would say, and it's legally mine. God spoke to Joshua in Joshua chapter 1 saying, I give the children of Israel this whole land. You know, they could look across the Jordan and see it. But they had to cross the Jordan and fight for it. But God, you said it was ours. It is yours. Go get it. God had already given it to them, but they had to fight for it. We have to assert our claim and know our legal rights and know how to fight the legal battle. I'll stop there. What it is that you're battling. Um, If you've ever heard my wife teach prayer, she teaches praying the word. When you pray, pray the word. You know, our words, our words do have power. But when it comes to prayer and engaging God, we need to engage Him His way. Pray the Word. I want to encourage you, if you think there's things in your life that should not be there, you say, God, I read your Word, and this feels like this shouldn't be here. Maybe it's broken relation. It's, it's a constant broken relationship, or maybe it's cancer, or maybe it's heart disease, or maybe it's anger. Or depression. Let me tell you, we had 10, 15 people up here getting free of, of uh, bipolar and mental, mental uh, not mental sickness, just um, depression. We sent Satan running. Do you know why? Because we, we, we laid claim to what Jesus did for us. And I believe people got free. Well, somebody start looking around your house and see if something shouldn't be there. And run it off. Don't let it stay. Run it off. Run it off. Don't wait. Don't wait. Get rid of it. Father, in Jesus' name, we just ask you for for light to shine in our lives, Lord. For you to reveal what's a lie in our life. We have these worldviews, we have these thoughts, and we have these opinions that are so off. We have these enemies that are sneaking into our children and into our minds and into the men and the women, into our families and into our marriage that are lies. Father, I just ask you that we right here would commit to get back into your word. Your word will reveal those lies. Your presence in our hearts will reveal those lies. But we're trying to fight these things off without you. 
Lord, let us turn back to you and genuinely get in your word and, and lay claim to your promises. Father, I pray for breakthrough in our minds, in our, in our, in our souls, in our lives. Breakthrough, Lord. Kingdom breakthrough. Thank you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said? Amen. God bless you. Man, y'all have a great week. Have a week of victory. Do some battling with Satan. Get him out.